grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Powerlifters Den. Uh, today, I want to bring on a guest who I met down at uh, Blue Collar Barbell a few weeks ago. Um, he has one of the highest totals of all time. Uh, you can check that out on Open Powerlifting. Uh, Chris, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, what's going on, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, super excited to come on and just talk, you know, just, just BS. Um, so Chris Delafov, um, been in the sport for longer than I'd like to admit. Um, I think I did my first meet in like 2007. So I think I've been around for a little bit, uh, have a couple all-time world records in the 242 class, uh, the all-time world record squat, and then the all-time single ply total. Uh, single play, um, all time multiply total and all time uh, unlimited total. Hell yeah! So um, I guess to start off, uh, what kind of got you into the sport of powerlifting from the beginning, and um, maybe talk about what kind of tra- did you always start up off in gear? I know most people usually start off raw and transition into it and things like that. Um. So actually, I was lucky when I first started playing football that our strength coach uh, up at St. Joe's in Montvale was a powerlifter, uh, Dan Polio. Um, he, you know, anyone from, from North Jersey probably knows that name. Uh, the Polios, they've been around or, you know, he's long retired now, but was a, was it like a big time dude in North Jersey powerlifting back in the, um, you know, like the nineties, early two thousands, I would say probably now nineties, nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of like my first strength coach. He was like the team strength coach. So, you know, he kind of took a liking to me cause I was always one of the bigger kids, but was also strong. Um, it was just, you know, just kind of came natural, natural for me lifting. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing. Um, you know, there was always a back and forth between lifting and football. Um, yeah. You you know, you know, Um, and especially when you first start working out and all you want to do is work out the football kind of takes a backseat in your brain. Um, So that was definitely kind of what happened. As soon as I started lifting, I was like, the football is dumb. All I want to do is stay in the gym all day and work out. Um, But then um, obviously football took a little bit of a priority. So then when I got to be probably a junior. I went to um, DeFranco's, um, another, you know, if, if you're familiar in the air, you know, the North Jersey area, but DeFranco's is, you know, a, uh, a nationally no name at this point. But I started training there and there was a guy who actually competed in gear at the time. And um, it was at that point that I actually was sitting out my sophomore year because I had transferred up to URI and he basically was like, if you're not going to play and you're not going to walk on yet, you might as well power lift. And he was like, I have some gear that'll fit you. Um, I have some, you know, some stuff that you want to try. And literally since then, since that, I would say that that's the summer or the, the winter of 06. The winter of 06. Yeah. That's was my freshman year of college. And then that transitioned yeah, 06, 07. I think I did my first meet in 07. Um, and it's and it's funny you say that because that I started in gear. 
there was 15 years ago, there was no raw lifting. Yeah. It wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you'd go to a local meet and there'd be 50 people there and 47 of them would be in gear. Yeah. Uh, It's just, that's what powerlifting was at the time. Um, But, you know, you can see how, how it transitions away from that. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll sure we'll talk about it in terms of like crews and like the people that you work out with. But if you don't have the people around you, then lifting in gear is not a thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely. Not, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you can try as much as you want. Like you, the, the only way that you're going to be able to be successful in, in equipped lifting is if you have people around you. And if you don't, you're just going to be spinning your wheels. Cause the only thing you're going to be worrying about is not, is not dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no other way to there's no other way to say it, and there's no other way to say it like lightly. If you try and do some of the like some of the stuff that you should be doing in gear at least by yourself, you're risk you'd be risking life or death every rep. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a shirt. Like it's actually kind of funny that you bring that up too, because so I train up at Evolve in Worcester with uh John Ropo mm-hmm. was that. Yeah. And um he he was doing one of those crazy um AR squats with like the bands and the chains and shit and I think it was like twelve over twelve hundred at the top, and he fucking passed out after it. And there's like yeah. six of us there trying to catch him, take his strap. Like you do that alone, you you die. You you, you die. <laughs> you die. Or you, you try and take a hand off in a bench shirt, yeah. and you just eat the bar, and they they find you the next morning. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. know, squished under under six hundred pounds. Like no, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but luckily, um, ever since I started powerlifting there's i've always found groups like good groups of people to train with um so first it was it was the people it was polio up at st joe's um then it was defranco's and those guys um ben and dave they were part of defranco's then when i was up at rhode island i found um oh what's his name andy i can't remember his last name but he had a gym up in um in providence that was like he lifted in gear Everyone up there lifted in gear. Um, so I, I had a group to train with up there. And then when I came home, I found Skiba's down in, in Jersey. Yep. Um, so, I mean, from 2000 and shit, 2002 is when I was a freshman in high school till 2010, 2011, call it. I trained on, I trained like under or with like a, a, a decently high level group of, you know, coaches, just people in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of is always going to, you know, help. Yeah. I think, I think for me, the best, the best thing for me in the sport was getting to go up and have train with John, because I mean, it's a, exposure to that. I mean, I still compete raw. Like I kind of have a set goal to like hit 2000 raw before. I hey, and, and honestly, I have this conversation with people all the time. I was like, you should always try and exhaust everything that you can before you add like an additional layer of something. Yeah. Right. So I never competed raw, but I always trained raw. Mm-hmm. Right. So like when it was, when it was training for football, there was no, you know, I'm going to oh, hold on. I'm going to go put my briefs on. It was, you know, it was all raw. Yeah. So in season was all raw training off season stuff. It was all raw. So it wasn't until, football was really done that I like actually like, I don't want to say dove in, but that would, that'd be like a dumb way to say it. But 
basically when football was done and all there was left was powerlifting, that's kind of when it was like, you know, all gear all the time. Yeah. But prior to that, from 2002 to 2010, playing football, like that's that's all it was was raw, was was raw training. So you have to have some kind of raw foundational strength to be successful in gear. And I think that a lot of people miss that and they just try to, they just want to rush and throw the gear on and throw like really tight gear on and like really aggressive shit. And if you're, if you're not strong enough to like be able to maintain body position and move your body raw without any equipment on, then you are going to be fucked. Yeah. Full Sorry. <laughs> my French fucked. Yeah. If you try and put on some aggressive, aggressive gear where you know you don't even belong you know you have no business being under that kind of weight um that's how people get hurt that's how spotters get hurt like it you do need to have a you do need to have foundational strength and there's no there's nothing wrong with saying hey i want to hit this number right like i think everyone should have some kind of like numerical goal that they're just because it just i think your brain works better that way yeah (laughs) right like the 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 worst is I'll hear oh you know I'll get in gear when I'm ready. <laughs> Fuck does that mean? Yeah. What do you mean when you're ready? <laughs> like when you squat something, there's a number. Like yeah. what do you what do you feel is going to make you ready? Like that that's obviously going to be different to other people, but I just think you need to have like basic body movement patterns down. Yeah. And a lot of people will rush that stuff, and they'll just like oh I want I want I want more weight on the bar. I want tighter wraps. I want you know knee sleeves that stand up on their own like you know. <laughs> yeah the ergo pros <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i mean so I, I think that everyone should definitely have like that like baseline foundational strength yeah for um, sure 100 percent. and like from a physiological and like anatomical standpoint like it doesn't matter how good or tight the gear is or how good you are in the gear like your body like your bones aren't going to be strong enough your ligaments no. aren't going to be strong enough your cns is not going to be even where anywhere close to ready for that oh no and yeah. that's and i mean that's the that's the biggest thing for me like i base all all of my training and all of my programming for all my clients around like cns based type stuff like rpe and how you feel and i don't i don't do anything uh really percentage based um, because there's so many other factors that, that go into like how a person's feeling and how they feel under the bar at a given time. Um, that like, I don't like to base it off of numbers. Yeah. I, I feel like I kind of, I kind of understand that too, but I guess from my perspective is, um, without the experience of kind of knowing how your body works, RPE for some people just, you see these oh, people no. post like a clip. It'll be like, "Oh, RP seven and a half," and they're turning fucking purple. And you're like, "That is not even close to RP seven and a half." I honestly, I don't think, and this is this is a firm a firm belief on on my part. I do not think that anyone should should use RPE if they've never experienced like true max effort. Yeah, that makes sense. Because. Because you know what a 10 is. Yeah. <laughs> but the only way you know what a 10 is, unless, you, is unless you've experienced the 10. Yeah. Right? So, like, someone who's been lifting for 13 minutes, like, no, like, that, that, that RPE 7.5 was really, was really a 9, 9.5, probably a 10. <laughs> and you should, you should probably reevaluate. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say that the one thing that I have noticed in my – my long time in the sport is the egos now are just 
Oh, yeah. so bad. Yeah, I, I, I said no. <laughs> Especially with Raw, too, I feel like. It, it's, yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but just in the sport in general, just egos and and this is my like the like egos for no reason yeah because if you if you ever notice in most cases like even on the raw side like you look at dan bell he was the best in the world right yeah didn't have an ego at all you could you could have a conversation with dan at any point at any time except during a meet Mm -hmm. like and he would and he would be cool with you where like you try and have a conversation with like a middle of the road guy or girl and they are just are they're they're like so <laughs> bewildered that you even that you even try to have a conversation with them and disrupt them from their like their three sets of eight <laughs> like i just i can't i can't deal with that yeah i can't like Anyone, anyone who knows me knows that like you can come up to me at any point during like a training session or a workout if if I know you or not, and like ask a question, bullshit, and and won't won't you know won't bother me. And if I can do that, then like why can't everyone else? Yeah, I mean, when I came up to you at the meet, you didn't give me any like you were just saying, hey, what's up? Like, I, I, obviously, like you're way higher caliber than I am, so like it's not like it doesn't matter. But we're still in the same sport, so like it's the same. It's the same sport. We're still people, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> and like if you're gonna be a douche to someone because you you. And, and that's what I'm saying. Most of the time, they're not even better than, than you. They're, they're usually worse. Like, those are the people that, that have the shittiest attitudes are, like, subpar lifters. Yeah. So, like, now I, now I almost think, like, if, if you have a shitty attitude, it's because you're so angry and upset of, about you being a subpar lifter. And, like, that's how you take it out on everyone. Yeah. And, I think, like, it's all, just, yeah. and I think it's also funny, too, that, like, I mean, powerlifting really doesn't have any money in it. So, like, it's not like you can be arrogant and be like, yeah, I make a fuckload of money. No, you don't make shit. You make what you, you don't. Win, one you don't. local there's meet like, for 500 bucks. Like, like <laughs> 10 people that, ma- that, like, make their living off of powerlifting. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe that. And it's not even from the actual competitions. <laughs> no. Yeah. What are you going to, like, well, now some of, like, the raw meets are, like, they have, like, pretty big payouts. You're talking, like, 20 grand. Like, that's a huge day. Like, yeah. that's. Like that's big time money, but you you know you're not seeing those happening every week. Mm-hmm. You know it's not like it's not like golf. Like you go in a golf tournament and you make three, you know you make three million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh oh I just won this meet. Oh they're paying for my my entrance and they're buying my first round at the bar. Like yeah. <laughs> cool, thanks. Had a fun day. Yep. <laughs> I had a fun day. Yeah. I hung out. Yeah, I hung out and I lifted weights. Like it's not it's not that serious. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that you kind of bring up the like the arrogance aspect of it too. And I think, I think the biggest thing I I notice is between the raw versus like the multiply guys because like on at the strength of heroes meet on Sunday, like everyone was just awesome to be around. And like Saturday, it, there was a couple people that were just like, you you don't even yes. know what you're doing. Like, why are you acting like this? Yes, and and it's always at the amateur days. Yep. <laughs> It's always, always, oh, you always find that kind of attitude or that kind of like, like you said, like arrogance, like, why are you even talking to me? Yeah. Why are you even like around me? You never see that on pro days mm-hmm. like, on both sides of the sport. Like I've been, I've been at meets, I've been at like high level meets where, it, you know, it was a high level equipment, but there was also high level raw guys there yeah. again, like 
you don't see it from the people here in the sport. You see it from the people like here. <laughs> yeah. Because they're upset that they're here. Yep. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I just, especially from my perspective, I'm like, I'm like in that middle of the pack range right now. So, like, competing with some of these people that they think they're the shit. And I still think, like, I'm like a little kid. Like, I got so much more to go. Like, I'm not, yeah. Like, cool. Yes. I'll go and crush a meat, but I'm not going to fucking freak out about it or be like yeah watch this like yeah no like there's like the, the the end of the day is it's a hobby and we say like we we bullshit we bullshit about this all the time like it's a hobby guys it shouldn't be taken this seriously you should not like base your life strictly around powerlifting raw or equipped like there's lots of other things going on in the world that that are like more important um, and sh- you should have more important things going on in your life than like just powerlifting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's bad. It's bad now. Yeah. So I guess kind of, I guess, b- backtracking a little bit. Um, during the Strength of Heroes meet, um, you had a couple of your athletes competing there, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I had one guy, um, one kid, Jeff, he was lifting on amateur day. It was, he did his last meet actually raw. He's jumping into gear. Um, and then I had, uh, what I had Rob and, um, Steve and Ryan and, um, and then I had another guy, Mike, that he was actually supposed to do the meet, but there was some shitty weather up by us. So he actually had to, uh, he did a meet down in Florida same weekend. Oh, okay. So you coached all those guys. So that's awesome. I, um, the, the guy that I was, you were talking about, what was his name? Justin, Justin, who, which one, The, the, the guy, the raw guy. Oh, uh, Jeff. Jeff, yeah. So I was I was talking to him with the meet. He seems cool. And I, I did see him start posting some of the geared stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. that's going to be me soon enough being around John yes. all the time. So, but um, yeah, I mean. And, and that's what I told him. I was like, yo, if you want to go back and forth, you can. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I always saw a carryover to my raw strength after doing like a meat cycle. Yep. Like I would always come back and be like, Oh my, like my raw end, my raw strength is like pretty good, especially my top end. Yeah. Right. You go from, you go from handling eight or nine all the time to handling four, four and a half. Yeah. You're like, Oh, <laughs> this, this is, this feels light in my hands. Right. Or, you know, you go from squatting 11 to squatting eight and you're like, Oh, okay. Like this pick isn't that bad. So like your CNS, your top end, is always going to benefit from overload. Yeah, and that's kind of why I wanted to like start getting my own gear and just like fucking around with it and like cuz obviously I plan at, at some point to compete in it, but I want to take my time learn it and I do also want to use it as a tool to overload and I think 100%. Yeah. So I mean even like even raw lift like raw lifters you can like if you don't ever do any bench overload stuff there's nothing wrong with putting like a loose loose shirt on and like doing some some heavier triples yeah right like you don't have to go you don't have to jump in and and throw the bands and chains and and the boards and like all the crazy shit that you know some people do but just doing some like doing some reps with 100 pounds more than you've ever held in your hands i promise you is going to make you stronger for sure yeah and to put a little bit of perspective into it too so your first competition was when I was going into first grade. So that just, it shows how, how young I am in the sport. Yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, like it's it, my thing, my biggest thing is to always have like a beginner's mindset. Um, even if you're at the top end or, but like a lot of people say, like I heard some of my friends, like no one gives a fuck about a local meet. Like 
you just got to learn as much as you can from the people that you're around. So that's it. You have to learn. You have to take in as much information as you can. Um, the only thing that I will say is now because of social media, you got to be almost a little bit more hesitant as to what information you're taking because not all information is good information. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do, and this is what I tell people, like you have to experiment and see what works for you, right? Like if you've only been a person who only does straight bar, straight weight singles all the time, that's the only thing you've ever done. I promise you that you would benefit for some bands and chains and specialty bars. Absolutely. And vice versa. If you're someone who only uses specialty bars for singles, like there's nothing wrong with, with, with taking some straight weight, some straight weight reps, mm-hmm. right? Like th- there's, there's nothing wrong with doing a little bit of both. Um, right. Like I did, I did a whole, I did a whole meat cycle where I lifted in, I did single ply and multiply the same, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I did, I would work up to something heavy in single ply. And then I would put my, mul- my, like my multiply shit on and work up to something heavy. And I did a meet where I, I opened in single ply, broke the single ply record, and was gonna br- try and break the multiply record in the same meet. That's awesome. And it like it, I it, I don't think I don't think I hit a squat, or I only hit my 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 squat multiply opener. It was something like I needed to hit a squat and I didn't. Yeah. Um. It was like there's nothing wrong with lifting in mul- in different, um. You know, types. How, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, um, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're competing at the. Skiba's meet in December, right? Yeah, I'm actually doing uh, Leah's meet first in next in a, a month. Uh, um, the north, north of the border. border. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, doing north of the border um, in Tennessee in November, and then I'm doing Mike's meet in December. Oh boy, that's that's a lot of that's close. Yeah, well, it actually works out. Um, it's a month apart. Yep. So I can kind of manipulate like my my up and like my post meet rebound a little bit. Mm-hmm. If I'm smart, then hopefully, you know, I can recover and, and put up, you know, another, hopefully another big number in December. Yeah. I think that I'm going to that meet. Absolutely. Cause I know John's going to, and um, I think that might be uh that's gotta be a record for the most, like over 1100 pound squats in a meet. That's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a pretty <laughs> crazy meet. That's yeah. going to be like, there, there may be a couple 12s that day. There may be, like, there's going to be a bunch of 11s. Um, that That's going to be a good one. Yeah, and um, I think my plan is to, I believe Skiba's doing a meet in March as well. Um, I think yes. that's, that's the meet I'm going to compete in next. Um, I think uh, a bunch of a bunch of my people are going to be doing that meet too. Awesome. Um, so we'll be up there anyway. Yeah, um, yeah they put on good meets there. Uh, we're actually, I'm putting on uh, my first meet at the end of the month. Okay. Um, yeah, at uh, BCB. So what, through uh, IPA or what federation? Yeah, IPA. Yeah, it's gonna be IPA because I'm the IPA chair. So I was like, let's 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 hold, let's do an IPA meet. It'll be my first one. I'm super. We're, we're excited about it. That's um, awesome. But you know, definitely want to be. We're definitely gonna be running more meets next year as long as this one goes well. Hell yeah. And uh, and you know, it's just the 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 thing is, and this is what people have to realize about like meets and if you want to have a big meet you have to coordinate it mm-hmm. like you have to coordinate it with other meet directors because if you try and have a meet or you know you're trying to have a a, a more like pro level meet 
and it's a near another meet, then, you know, you're basically pulling, you're splitting an already very small amount of people, even like even smaller. Yeah. So, um, I know you like to voice your opinion, so I kind of want to ask you a, a question that uh, I saw brought up a little bit after the uh, Strength of Heroes meet. Seemed like uh, there was a little bit of controversy with uh, some of the lifts. You want to mm-hmm. want to give me your end of that? So, as someone who's been around, um, and I said my piece, and I said my piece, and I said I said a whole bunch. So, and it's in the past, and I knew I knew you were probably going to say something. Um, <laughs> And I wanted to make sure that, like, I bit my tongue a little bit and, like, say that it's now, like, over a month ago. Yeah. And and what's done is done, and everyone said their piece, and everyone has moved on. So I don't want to, like, dig up old shit. Um, but what I do want to say is if you've been around in the sport for longer than five seconds, you've gotten a gift. Yeah. It, it – raw, equipped, single-ply, unlimited, like – you everyone at some point in time has done a lift that was below par below their expectation right and what what some people don't like my i have the like the multiply 275 deadlift record too at 910 and it's not a clean lift like it's not very clean the one side of the bar clearly up and downs and that side of the bar clear that like got one red mm-hmm. which it should have um, but that was like a thing yeah. three years ago <laughs> because like people just started bashing it. And, and I, and I never said a word to anyone about it because the people who know me were like, uh, know that I clearly didn't want the lift to look like that. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't want my all time world record lift to look like that no one does mm-hmm. and i don't even think it's an all time but whatever it multiply yeah regardless yeah but you don't you don't go into it intentionally trying to like cut it a little high or or not lock it out as hard or not hold it as long or you know not stand up as you know as erect <laughs> like it's it's happening in real time and you're talking about like above a hundred percent Number like lifts yeah right like you're not seeing that happening on on openers for the most part you're not like you're seeing that happen on like second and thirds where like people are taking crazy weights and i'm not saying that that should be a reason why you should give gifts but you also have to realize that it's got to be for the lifter and anything close should be going to the lifter yeah like tie goes to the runner type thing tie goes to the runner like anything close should go to the lifter so unless it's egregious and and you're seeing it um from the same angle as the judges then you have no business commenting yep that's my opinion right unless you're seeing it from the same angle as the people who are making the calls you have no business to to comment right because the same squat that you the the same squat you could have from three different angles and it looked three different ways yeah, 100%. Same thing with the squat, same thing with the bench, and the same thing with the deadlift. So to say that, like, to to discredit a meet that was a fundraiser for 9-11 because this person deemed that there was a handful of lifts that were gifted, right, shouldn't discredit the meet or the meet director as a whole um, because – 
that same person who was complaining and chirping, right, has gotten gifts. Mm -hmm. And that's what really annoyed me. That's what really annoyed me. Because the person that started everything was given a gift by me. I gave the person a gift. Yeah. And I never said that to anyone. Mm-hmm. But that's why I was so like, like, just pissed off. Yeah. Because how are you going to bash other people's lifts? One, that th- there was there's no world record taken. There was no money taken out of someone's pocket for for the you know for the lift being passed or not like it was a charity meet and they got they got a gift like to to then blow blow it up and make it a bigger deal than it should have been is not something that brings the sport together at all yeah um and i think if you've never done a meet then you shouldn't or you've never been a part of something like strength of heroes. Cause it is like, it is a pretty cool fucking event. Like awesome. this is the third, like, it's awesome. Um, and I think for someone to bash that without being there and just seeing secondhand videos from 30 feet that way mm-hmm. is, is a pretty shitty person. Yeah. I think for, from my perspective, from being there at, this is kind of like, I guess this is the first like pro multiply meet I got to witness and I think it kind of like with the idea of a gift, like, like you said, everyone gets a gift. And I mean, the, it's kind of a, it brings up a bigger issue within the sport of a whole, because there's so many different, all these federations, they all have different rules. There's all, mm-hmm. there's a hundred different judges for each fucking area. Well, here's the thing. If you were to line up and we've had this conversation on, on um, the state of the union, if you were to line up every rule book, Every rule book in terms of squat depth is the same. Yep. It's the same. But different federations judge it differently. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, do I think that if you're if you're in super if you're in gear, you should be, you know, squatting three two inches below parallel? No. Then then I'm never gonna say that you should be. But I also don't think that you should be squatting three inches above either. Yeah. Right? Because there were some, there were some points in the sport where, like, when I was a younger lifter and I was at meets and I saw, like, egregious lifts being passed and egregiously high squats being passed, like, SPF Power Station Pro-Ans from, like, 2011 and 2000, like, 2010 and 2011 where there was some, like, monstrous numbers being hit, but what, like not the cleanest lift or, you know, not the most integrity filled lifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we kind of looked at that as, you know, my group of, of people and lifters, we were like, all right, well, we're not going to, we're not going to squat that high. Yeah. Right. We want to make it look a little bit better, but it's not like we were, to, we were going to go out there and bash them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they, they, those people, they, they squatted high. They got ripped a little bit on like outlaws or like one of those forums. And like, that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Now you have like people like, like going crazy and just ranting about nonsense. And again, it's the lifters who were like, not very good. Yeah. And it's it, the, like the, the, 
introduction of social media, like Instagram for powerlifting. It's like, it's, it's such a bittersweet thing because you get all this extra bullshit, but it actually helps the sport. So it's all, it helps the sport, but it's, it like crushes the sport too. Yeah. And it, another example of that too, with like squatting high, if, if you're a coach and you have a multiply guy and you see high squats getting called good, you'd be a fucking idiot to not call them. You'd high. be a fucking <laughs> idiot to say, Hey bud, um, they're giving, they're giving whites at two at a two, but I'm going to call you down to, to, a, to, to zero yeah. because just because I feel like it. Yeah. Like why? Like, no, <laughs> the, 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 the end goal is to also win. Exactly. It's so right. Fun. So like, if you're not going to do everything that you can do to win like that, then, you know, in my opinion, you're not a very good competitor. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have any like you don't have heart because then you always have a cop out of saying, oh, they beat me because they squatted higher than me. Yeah. No, they beat you because they out totaled you by 400 pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why they beat you. You weren't going to just magically add 400 pounds to your total chief. Yep. So um, it's it's funny, too, because across federate, like you were saying, if you line up all the rule books they're they're basically they're basically the same thing. And like, but another one I could think of too is like the in terms of pausing with the bench press, the command, the press command is supposed to start when the bar stops. But bars, bars motionless press. Yeah, but not it, when you feel like or when you've deemed it appropriate to give a press command. Yeah, like that's bullshit. That's a bullshit interpretation of the rule that that only that only hurts the lifter. It only puts the lifter at a at a more riskier position for a longer period of time. Right, you're, if you're a raw, if you're a raw bencher, where's your, where's the point where you you can get hurt the most? Yeah, at the bottom. At the bottom, with the bo- with the bar paused on your chest. Right, like that's not doing anything positive for the sport mm-hmm. at all. And um, I guess kind of more about the coaching aspect of it. Do you coach, um, or I guess your approach to coaching uh, raw versus multiply guys? Do you find that um, you use similar tactics but obviously adjust and then you find it translates well between both so the the way that i program i don't follow like a true like system um i've taken everything that i've learned and i've kind of put it together into this mishmash of like different things um so i would say it's a conjugate-esque program um and i train everyone conjugate-esque with similar with differences based on strength levels um time in the sport time under the bar and obviously equipment if anything being used um but in terms of like general overall programming it's the same yeah i feel like i I, yeah i feel like i kind of use a similar like the idea of like conjugate has a hundred different fucking meetings and you can, everyone has a different meaning for it, but everyone has a different, everyone like it's such, it's so bastardized at this point. And like what, what I don't do anything close to like the traditional West side, like not even a little bit close to that. Um, and I, and I wouldn't say I do like your true traditional 10, 20 life, right? Like RPE based type, like straight bar stuff, but it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And there's shit taken from the RPE 1020 life side and there's shit taken from West side and there's, and really it's just things that I found 
that work for no matter the lifter. Okay. Right. So like if you were to look at my, the way that I program accessory work after the main movement, it's the same. It's the same because for the most part, everyone need, everyone's back can get stronger. Everyone's shoulders can get stronger. Everyone's upper back can get stronger. Everyone's core can get stronger. Everyone, mine included, right? There's no one who, who's at the, who's at a 10 across the board. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. All right. So everyone can do those things. And I base my accessory on more like, like train. my accessory movements are all like trained, like bodybuilding. Yep. Right. If there's a weak muscle group, if you know, your you know, your mid back is weak, then I'm going to program shit to target your mid back directly through like hypertrophy type, like bodybuilding training. Like everyone can benefit from that. Any, everyone that power lifts can benefit from putting on another five pounds of muscle. Agreed. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, you can't disagree. <laughs> you can't disagree with that. Yeah. So that, that, that's story stop. Yep. Now what I do think needs to be manipulated is the, is like the top is like your max effort stuff. Yeah. Um, like for my, for my equipped lifters, we're all for, I would say 90% of the time we squat to a box, right? It can't be that much with raw lifters, but the way that you box squat should be very similar to the way that you free squat. So if you're, working the same movement patterns and squatting the same way, whether you're to a box or not, they're still, you're still training bolt. You're still training your squat. Yeah. And what I've, I've found too, is the more I'm talking to people and like the higher level of sport, it seems like a lot of people, whether they're a coach or they have a coach, their style of training is very conjugate esque and then bodybuilding because. And that's it, it. You have to look at it like, What's going to get me the strongest on meat day, right? But then how am I going to be able to build up to that, to be that strong on meat day? So there has to be a build, yeah. right? And there has to be some downturns. So you have to deload. You have to, you have to be consistently working your top end to, to get your CNS primed and, Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who don't do that and then they don't get the results that they want and, and they keep they you know they pick excuses seven, eight, and fourteen out of the bag when it's because their training is not very good. Mm-hmm. And if they just kind of like dumbed it down for themselves and the, make it easier in terms of like what are you trying to accomplish? Okay. How can I make whatever you're trying? How can you make whatever you're trying to accomplish the most difficult that you could possibly do on that day? Yeah, and for and for me, it's funny too because like being around like I'm such a head case. Well, I was more of a head case. I'm getting way better at it now. But it, like if you were Doctor John, if you could if you would describe me in a couple sentences, he'd be like, he's a fucking head case because I <laughs> I'm an engineer, so I have I overthink all that bullshit and everything. Of and course. like now that I'm more focusing on the other parts of it and not the actual lift itself because i know i know how to lift so it i should just gotta go and do it (laughs) that's it it's it what a lot of people don't realize is like every rep's not going to be perfect Mm -hmm. every you know you take on a max effort on a on a random max effort squat day like you may end up taking 
12 reps total. Yeah. Right. If you throw a bunch of AR on the bar and you work up to something relatively, you know, relatively heavy top end, you may take somewhere between eight to 12 reps, right? So you need to make sure that every rep that you take, you're treating it like meat day, right? So it forces you to be able to turn it on a little bit, but it also forces you to like, okay, I have to, like, we have to go a little bit. Yeah. We have to go and we have to make sure that things look good, but like, we have to just lift, right? You have to just lift. You can't be worrying about, you know, is my brace good right now? Well, motherfucker, you're under 900 pounds. <laughs> you braced. You might as well just go. Yeah. <laughs> right? Look, you're going to think about it. You're going to think about it even more, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're on your descent of your bench. Oh, you know, I lost my lats. Well, you better figure it the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? You better figure it out. So I think a lot of people need to need to stop expecting per- perfect reps. Yeah. Um, because if you you could ask anybody that I've trained with, I'll finish a squat session and I'll hit I'll hit PR and and it'll move well and I'll spend another fifteen minutes after I'm done ripping it apart. Yep. You're never. It's never gonna be a perfect rep. Yeah. Ever. It's never going to be a perfect rep. It, they don't exist. Yeah. There's always something that can be done a little bit different. There's always something that can be done just a little bit better. Stop. That's going to make the lift look better, move better, feel better. Right? So it can always be better. You just need to realize, okay, just lift. Yeah. Like lift weights. Yeah. So- and Something I uh, I kind of one of my things I think about in my head. I'm like, if I'm squatting or I'm deadlifting, like just fucking stand up. That's all you got to do. Just stand up. <laughs> just stand up. Yeah. Right. And obviously, there's so much more that goes into it, but at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And I think, and but again, that goes with the the platform of social media, where they don't have a someone doesn't have a good lift, and oh, I need to make 97 excuses. Mm-hmm. It's oh, I had a shitty day. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try better next time. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's not like the the pretty thing to say, or that's not like the cool thing to post. And there's not a caption in there. Yeah, or a bunch of like <laughs> fancy hashtags. But like, yeah, you didn't have a good day. I didn't have a good. You're not gonna have a good day every day. Yeah, you're unless unless you're telling me that you're a where you're a strict professional where think ronnie coleman when he was a bodybuilder right or all those dudes when they were bodybuilders they got paid to eat they literally got paid to work out yeah right so unless you're someone who's making their living strictly off powerlifting where you wake up the only thing you do is train you go you do some you do train you you train more in the afternoon and then you go home and you like do some cardio and you sit in a sauna like no Motherfuckers have jobs. Yeah. People have to live, work, they have to go to work, they have families, they have things that they need to worry about. Like things get in the way of powerlifting. And sometimes it's going to going to affect your your performance. And that's why you have to like, there'll be another day, there'll be another meet, there'll be another prep, like there'll be another one. Yeah, exactly. And it's always just like take it session by session. Like everyone obviously has goals, but like of the, course. At the end of the day, just fucking take your wins where you have them. Cut your losses where you have them. And 
And people, I and and here's like the, the, you don't know until you know. Those wins get smaller, 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 and less and less frequent the longer you're in the sport. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see that now too. So, <laughs> so if you're get if you've been in the sport for 17 seconds and you're getting mad that you're not having a good day, guess what, Buttercup? You're not. You're there's going to be a lot more not <laughs> not so good days. Yeah, for sure. And you just kind of have to like, all right. And this is the the biggest thing. I've bombed out of a bunch of like bunch of pro level meets like Arnold's and WPOs and and all that shit. And everyone is always like, you know, oh, you bomb out of meets. It's like, okay, but I win a lot of meets too. So, but what my my point was is, if you don't have a good day or you don't have the performance that you want, you have to take something from it. There has to be some kind of positive taken from a negative. Yep. Right. Or else, or else it is a total waste. Yeah. Like I bombed out of four Arnold's in a row, four in a row, four years in a row. Right. And what was that? The goal? No, obviously not. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, did I intentionally do something to like put me in a, no, like I prep was good and we did everything that we should have done. And it just wasn't there for whatever reason. Yeah. Shit happens. <laughs> shit happens. But you can't just, you know, fold and say oh you know and start making excuses like i didn't have a good day i'm gonna learn something from this experience whether it's a different way to peak or something different with my with my hydration or something different with my cut or something different with my recomp or something different with you know meat day supplements like there's nine million things that go that go into this sport and if you think that you have it all figured out when you you know you've been around for for three seconds like i'm sorry that's just not the way that's not how it that's not the way it works yeah i think this is actually a perfect time to kind of ask my infamous question so i i always ask my uh my guests um if you could give one piece of advice to a new lifter or someone going to their first meet what would it be be coachable um Ask questions and be coachable. Be able to take, be able to take criticism. Um, obviously, if it's respectful, given respectfully, um, but especially if it's for some from someone who's trying to help you out. Um, I can't even begin to explain how many times like I went out of my way to like try and help someone, and and out of no benefit to me, like I don't care if person B squats 50 pounds more it's not going to affect he's not going to beat me yeah um but like and they were not receptive to it or kind of like like almost like oh why are you trying to why are you trying to help or i got it like yeah. that thing that goes back to what we said like the 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 you know the ego thing if someone who's been around for a while is trying to trying to give you help and trying to like show you not the way but like so that you don't run into the same issues or the same road bump roadblocks or, you know, bumps in the road that other people did. Like, listen, listen, like take in as much information as you can learn that it's never, you can always be better in some way. I think that's it too. Um, I had some like really early success in my career. I squatted, you know, I squatted, I squatted a grand at like 23. Um, and I don't want to say like I thought that like I was there, 
But I think if I was around a different group of people, um, like someone who was older and someone who had like been there, I think things could have been a little bit different for a couple of years. Um, but again, not everyone has that opportunity. Not everyone has that ability to, you know, talk to people who've been in the, been around. But I think when you do have those, those opportunities, you got to like soak as much in as you can and take in as much information as you can, because the only way that the only way to, to like, I think really learn anything in this sport is like trial and error mm-hmm. and time under the bar Agreed. reps under the bar time, time under the bar. And there's no, there's no gear. There's no meat cycle. There's no supplement cycle that's going to not, that's going to replicate or um, be able to make up for time, not being under the bar. Agreed. I think that's great advice. Um, I guess if you want to just let everybody know uh, where they can find you on Instagram or if you have anything you want to plug before we yeah, wrap things up. Yeah. Um, oh, lots of things to plug, but we'll <laughs> keep it short. Um, we are going live on the State of the Union. I don't know. Well, this is going to air later, so we, w- we, won't, we won't talk about that. Uh, BCB, uh, the gym, um, we're always looking for more, you know, for more members on the team, online or in person. Um, so that's uh, at BCB Trading Systems. Um, and then Wicked Wolf, the beard, beard company. Um, if you have a beard and you're trying to sexify it, uh, <laughs> at Wicked Wolf Beard Co. Uh, for all your beard care needs. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time for coming on. It was a blast. Of course. Of course. Whenever whenever you guys uh, will want me back, I'll, I'm on. Awesome. Thank so you. I appreciate it. Thank you.